This is the Mark Aram Show, heard Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. The gang all here, Low T, Longo, and myself. A programming note, next Tuesday, knock on wood, if everything goes all right, we're going to be broadcasting live from the King Center for the 50th anniversary of the King Center. So we'll be on remote there, very excited. And then at the end of the month, we're going to be broadcasting live from a Gwadet Stripers game. So you can come out and see us at a couple of venues in the next couple of weeks. Coming up later on tonight's show, actor Kevin Bacon. He's uh, going to be on the program. He's in town. He's a musician, actually, now with his brother Michael. and They'll be playing uh, on July 23rd in the city. But starting off the show, the headliner, if you will, longtime nice. friend of the program. I think this is your... Uh, you're like the Joan Rivers to my Johnny Carson. You're a 15th appearance on the Mark Air Show. I will take it, and I will not disappoint you. I won't go to another network <laughs> without telling you. Did you hear the back? Maz Rabrani's in the studio, by the way. Is at the punchline this weekend. Do you know the, uh, the, the story behind that whole thing? All I know is that she was offered the, the part to host the Fox late-night show, and she didn't run it by Johnny first. Yes. And that's what upset him, and then she was banned. So she used to. She was a frequent guest on the on the Tonight Show with Carson, and used to fill in for Carson when mm-hmm. he was on. And then Fox gave her her own night show, her own nightly show, and she didn't run it by Johnny, and Johnny was offended. And then even when Leno took over the the Tonight Show, they wouldn't book. Yeah, they wouldn't book her at all. Leno she, acted offended. Exactly, <laughs> Leno. Um, but finally, when Fallon took over. He had her back on. Thank God. I mean, and, it was before uh, she passed away. Yeah. Have you seen the documentary on, on oh, her? Oh, she was amazing, man. What yeah. a machine. I met her one time. Um, I was uh, traveling overseas, and she was in the business lounge or whatever it was. And I just, I, I, I'm usually very, um, if I if I come across this, like someone, the celebrity or something, I just let them be. Sure. But it's Joan Rivers. So as a comedian, you have to say something. I just went over and said, hey, how are you? I'm a comedian and I'm a big fan. You're great. And, and I'd seen the documentary yeah. and her work ethic and stuff. And she was she couldn't have been sweeter. She just started talking to me. Oh, you're oh. Oh, you're a comedian? Oh, <laughs> yeah. where do you perform? Yeah. Comedy store. Oh, the comedy store. Oh, great. Where are you going now? I was on my way to Sweden. I was like, I'm going to Sweden. They do comedy there? <laughs> yeah, you'd kill it. Oh, I should tell them my agent. That's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's one regret. I, I never got a chance to interview or even see her perform. Yeah. Because uh, she, I mean, you talk about cutting edge kind of comedy back in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a woman doing some of the stuff that she was doing, like insult comedy from a woman was. She was, tra- she was a trailblazer. And if, if people are, that are listening to this right now, if you have not seen the documentary, yeah. Google Joan Rivers documentary. And it's just, just on its own, aside from being a comedian, it's a great documentary. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a crazy life. I mean, I get tired because I work the split shift. And Joan Rivers would be up at 5 a.m. doing interviews, doing book signings, doing a show, in bed at, at 1 a.m. Yeah. It's bananas. Well, that's the thing a lot of people don't understand. People that, that when they come up to me sometimes, they'll be like, oh, I want to be a comedian or I want to be an actor. And you and, and sometimes I go, well, you got to put in the work. You got to do this, that. And they go, no, no, no. I just want to be like, I want to be on TV. <laughs> and I go, okay, you just want to be famous. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to put in the work. Because really, difference. as you see right now, you know, comedians, we perform at night. But then you got that morning. You got to wake up in the morning, do exactly. the radio stuff. 
and uh, and and then in between, it's up to you. Some comedians, as you said, like Joan Rivers, are working hard and writing. writing she had those little index time. cards yeah. with all that stuff. And then there's some comedians who are like playing video games until showtime. Exactly. So, those are the, the younger ones. Younger ones, and the material doesn't seem to change over 20 yeah. years. <laughs> uh, Maz is at the Punchline this weekend. Tickets available online at punchline.com. You just added another show, I've been told. Yeah, well, all the shows are sold out, so the only show left is a 6 p.m. show on Saturday that we just added. So wow. okay. come on out. I wonder if I can still get tickets. Well, can. you can get tickets. I'll see. I'll seat you on stage. I, have seat. You, you've been to the new Punchline, right? Yeah, the new Punchline, which is right next to a diner. Yeah, it's very interesting. It, well, I as a as a patron, I love it because you know normally in comedy clubs you're limited um, to chicken fingers, you know, yes. buffalo wings. But at the diner, it's like you know I want turkey and mashed potatoes and a milkshake. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, it's great. No, the the menu is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. It's just a little it's a little jarring at first when you when you're driving up and you're like, oh wait, I think we're at the wrong place. It's yeah. a diner, no, and then no. you go, oh no, it's a comedy club. It's a comedy club and a diner. How's the stage as a comedian though? It seems okay. Yeah, the, st- the stage is good. You know, um, I love I love the guys at the Punchline, Marcy and uh, and uh, Jamie and those guys. They're they're great people. And uh, the the one thing that you got to get used to on the stage as a comedian is. Um, and this is a lot of New York clubs are like this. Mm-hmm. Um, the the club is um, it's it's not it doesn't go deep. It goes sideways. Yeah. It's like a rectangle. It's very wide. You wide. So as a comedian, you're turning your head left. You turn your head right. You turn yeah. your left. You know. So that's just something I'm. You know. Again, New York comics are used to. It's like it, the what's the Midtown Comedy Club in Manhattan? That's kind of like that. Caroline's. No, Caroline's. No, that Caroline's. goes deeper. There's there's stand up New York, and then there's there, there's the Comedy Cellar, which is like that, but the Comedy Cellar is a much smaller version of yeah. that. Comedy Cellar feels it's like tight. oh, it's tight, but it's it's that's a great club. It's L- down in that basement. Let me ask you this: I don't want to get too political on the show, but uh, I'm, you mentioned that you travel a lot as a comedian, international performances and such. Um, what does the rest of uh, the world think of us right now? <laughs> you know, I actually uh, have not toured as much uh, with stand up since uh, Trump became president. Okay. Um, but I was in Spain last year in some beach town, you know, uh, uh, just out of the way. Yeah. And the guy goes, hey, where are you from? And I go, America. And right away he goes, ah, Trump. And it's just funny to me because I thought to myself, my God, it, you know, I personally don't, I'm not a supporter of his. Mm-hmm. Um, but if 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 you got to look at the marketing, what he's done in terms of marketing, he is probably the best known person in the world right now. Which is, might be what he wanted all along. That's what he wanted. I mean, yeah. there used to be a time where he'd be like Michael Jackson or whoever, yeah. right? <laughs> but now you go anywhere in the world. I bet you if you went out like into the, uh, you know, somewhere in the, you know, some some African sub-Saharan Africa, sub-Saharan, yeah, <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be like Donald Trump, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's crazy. That is crazy. It can, I, and he's relentless. That's the other thing that's crazy. He's relent. Like I, I, I talk about this on stage. I just go. You know, as comedians, they go, oh, he, a lot of people go, he must be good for comedy. I go, he's not. I go, because comedians, we need time to develop our jokes. <laughs> he won't give us time. Yeah, it's too quick. It's too quick. He's just like, you write, write one joke, and he comes up with something crazy in the next minute. It's the, next the same minute. thing in the news business, because, you know, you, you think, wow, one breaking story, this is huge. And then 12 hours later, or two tweets later, you're, you're chasing another story. It's, it's, it's nutty. And I think I, it's kind of, you were talking about Joan Rivers, who was older and working all day and going hard. It's kind of, I don't know if this is, maybe it's the New York, like successful New York mentality. Like they're up at four the and they're going right. until, because I'm thinking to myself, you're 72 years. If I'm 72 years old, I'm not going that hard. If you're a billionaire, you're not going that hard. If I'm a like, billionaire, if a I'm a million, I'm, yeah. not, I'm, exactly. not going, I'm not tweeting that hard, dude. What's up? Uh, 
Well, you're, you're, I'm assuming you still have uh, family back in the Middle East. Yeah, so I have family in Iran. I have, I have actually not a lot of close family. I have a mm-hmm. few cousins that I just haven't seen for years sure. and years. Um, you know, Iran, the country of Iran is an interesting place. The people are very modern sure. and they're very much uh, wanting to have more freedoms and wanting to be more part of the the world order. And I personally feel that the that that. Uh, the nuclear deal that we had, you know, I know a lot of people got a lot of bad press here. People, John, Donald Trump calling it the worst deal ever. Yeah. And then the question was, well, well what's your deal? What what deal are you going to get us? Yeah. And the thing I kept saying was, look, for, for I left Iran because of the current government. Sure. So a lot of people like there's some Iranians that are that hate this current government so much that they support Donald Trump because they think Trump is somehow going to get rid of the Islamic Republic of Iran. So they are totally blinded to the fact of, you go, well, how is he going to do it? Is he going to do it through war? And if he does it through war, how many innocent Iranians Uh, will die? So I personally had said, look, for 40 years we had called each other the great great Satan and the devil or whatever it was. And I said, finally we had a diplomatic solution. It wasn't a perfect solution, but it was a solution. I said, let's try diplomacy. And the thought process was if, if we were able to try diplomacy with the current regime, uh, current government, and get them to come into the world fold, then eventually if the economy did not get better in Iran and if the situation in Iran for freedom uh, you know, freedom g- did not get better, then the only people that, that could be blamed would be that government. government right yeah. now, anything that happens, that government says, look, the Americans are oh. giving us sanctions, this, that, the other. The, the everyday Joe in, in Iran, are, are they upset about what Trump's doing about pulling out the nuclear deal? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think a lot of, because I know that, that a lot of Iranians, when the nuclear deal happened, a lot of Iranians were celebrating because yeah. they were like, finally, we're being acknowledged, finally. Because I think a lot of people within Iran also feel the stress and the strain that comes from the government. That's why every time anything happens good for any Iranian anywhere in the world, Iranians get excited. Like sure. in the World Cup, absolutely. Yeah. you know, we are so excited right now in the World Cup because we actually played Spain and had a good game and yeah. we have potential. That we feel like we might be able to beat Portugal. Yeah. And something, whenever anything like that happens, people are in the streets and it's not just a celebration. Like, you know, here, whatever, the, the Warriors win, there's a celebration, there's yeah. a parade. Over there, it, it's like always on the verge of revolution. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Like yeah, no one doubt. one extra chant, and they're like they're 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 charging the the government buildings. Well, I I mean I hope everything works out. Peace is the best solution for sure. I was just curious, knowing your ties back there, what what they thought about the the pulling out of the nuclear deal. Absolutely, I think that there's a few. There's again, there's there's some there's Iranians that that online they will come after me for saying I want to try diplomacy because they say, oh well, then you must be in cahoots with the government. Yeah. And I go, no, I'm not in the I left the government. I left Iran. Because my family left. My whole family's life was turned upside down because sure. of this government. I've done jokes and made fun of this government. I can't go to Iran to do stand-up because of the You're fact the that list. I've, I think I'm on a list. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm afraid if I showed up, they'd be like, let's go over here. Let's talk for a second. <laughs> yeah. So these there's people accusing me of somehow being in cahoots just because I'm calling for peace. Yeah. And those are the hawks. There's a lot of hawks that are Iranian and there's obviously a lot of hawks that are other Americans that want to go to Iran and 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 you know start a war. Well, the the interesting thing is I mean so as long as you and I have been alive there's always been stuff going on. Yeah. What's amazing to me is what's going on in Syria now where Syria wasn't even on the you know we didn't talk about it 15 20 years ago. Yeah. Like Syria was just a country and now it's like the boiling point of 
Yeah, it's a disaster. Chaos. Syria and Yemen, and there's a lot of other places that we're not aware of. You know, we are very isolated as Americans. I always say, again, bring talk, swinging a World Cup, I say, I, I was telling somebody, I said, don't watch the World Cup with your young kid because you'll realize how little you know about geography. <laughs> it's true. I was watching the World Cup. Last World Cup, it was France against Ecuador. My son was six years old, and yeah. I go, I go, son, this is France. They're in Europe. And I go, this is Ecuador. They're and I was like, they're, they're near Mexico? Like, <laughs> I didn't know exactly. Central America, maybe? Central America, yeah. <laughs> and so it's funny. Uh, um, and then in the joke, I say, you know, I, I sent him to the kitchen to get me some water, and then I Googled it. By the, by, <laughs> by the time he came back, I'm like, actually, they're in South America. Yeah. And the oh, GDP is, is 75. Central America. You would have said, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, because they, they're on the, <laughs> Ecuador stands, you know, the equator. It's the equator. That's, That's right. why it's called Ecuador. Look at that. Hey, it's, uh, anyway. Mark so, Aram Show just learned something. Can you hang out another segment? Sure. Well, we're not going to talk global politics the whole show. I do no, want to no. get in some comedy. Maz Jabrani's at the punchline. One show left open. He sold out every other show. 6 p.m. Saturday. Get online right now at uh, punchline.com. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. Welcome back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. Maz Jabrani in studio. Kevin Bacon coming up on the program. He's going to be in town uh, singing with his brother. Did you know that? I had heard that before yeah, that he sings. Yeah, I'm sure he's pretty good. Do you have any musical ability? I have, since I was a kid, I wanted to play the piano. I started playing the piano, mm-hmm. and uh, the teacher was like, oh, told my mom, this guy's you know got talent yeah. to do it. And then, um, you know, parents give up because I'm sure I wasn't wanting to practice whatever it is, yeah. you know, 20 minutes, an hour a day, whatever you got to do. It's so tough. it's tough, but I still love it. So I'll still sit at the piano and, like, futz around a little bit. <laughs> but then I got my little girl, my little seven-year-old girl to start. Nice. It's amazing because we we tell her you got to do your twenty minutes, got to do your twenty minutes, and the next thing you know, this girl is just sitting there, the the little hands are moving, and she's playing all this classical music, Brahms and That's stuff. Awesome, dude! It's See, so the key amazing. Is to start young, you start, start young, young. But but took, the key is to stay on it. Yeah, I took uh, so in when I where I grew up in Connecticut. I think first grade or second grade, everyone had to play the violin. Like, it was mandatory. Holy moly. And I was awful at that. Yeah. But then in third grade, you got to pick whatever instrument you want. Right. And I wanted to play saxophone. And the music teacher's like, we've got too many sax players. Play the clarinet. I was like, all right. So my mom rents this clarinet from the music store. Go in there. And after three weeks... The, the music teacher kicked me out of class. He goes, I don't want to kill dreams, but you have no musical talent whatsoever. He goes, see if your mom can get money back from the clarinet. So my musical dreams were uh, dashed at an early age. But I can play jingle bells on the piano. That's, did, good. That's good. I, I did. And I just can't, I, I numbered the keys. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, chords or anything like that. Yeah. But I was like... Three 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 two one two three. Well, you proved that music teacher wrong. Yes, I you see. I mastered yeah. jingle I l- bells. I like the fact that back in the day, music teachers could tell you that. Like nowadays, oh, they'd yeah. probably get you know. Mr. Valenti, I'll Mr. never forget. Valenti, him. Like, Mark, you might do a lot of things in this world, but music's not one of them. <laughs> get out of my classroom. That's hilarious. Um, I, when we come back after news weather traffic, I want to talk about uh, the TV show you're just in. Yeah. Uh, Superior Donuts. Yes, sir. Um, Got canceled. Not so superior anymore. <laughs> rest in peace. But it's interesting. Uh, I want to talk about it when we come back. All right, great. Uh, Miser Body in studio. Uh, news weather and traffic next. This is The Mark Aram Show. Welcome back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. In studio at the Punchline. Uh, longtime friend of the show and comedian, 
Mazda Brani. Uh, tickets available online at punchline.com. Just one show left Saturday at 6 p.m. And th- you're a family-friendly kind of guy, right? I mean, yeah, relatively. You know, so I try to be. You know, if people see my specials, they'll see. Actually, I got a current special on Netflix. I you know. Netflix, they got to watch Immigrant. I already saw it. Dude. Oh, you saw it. Okay. Oh, fantastic. So, but I, I'm generally clean. Once in a while, there's some, you know, sexual innuendo or, yeah. or adult content. Let's just say. The current show I'm doing, there's a whole section I work on where I'm talking about cussing around your kids. Okay. So inevitably, there's going to be some cussing in there. Understood. But for the most part, I would say, I mean, compared to a lot of other comedians, yes, I'm definitely family. PG-13? Could we call you? I'd go PG-13. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. No words that no (laughs) 13-year-old hasn't heard. Let me me talk. So you were on a TV show on CBS, right? It was CBS? Yeah. Superior Donuts. Um, it got canceled, unfortunately. Yes. Um, and I'm I'm the at fault because I didn't promote it enough and I it, didn't watch it myself. It was you, even though I love you and donuts. Yeah. So you think uh, very strange that you would turn on us like <laughs> <exactly>. that, Mark. <laughs> um, so give me give me the thirty second pitch of the show. What was the show about? So the show was actually based on a play by a playwright named Tracy Letts, who people will see if you watch TV. He's in a lot of stuff, but it's about a guy, uh, an older guy in Chicago who owns a donut shop that's kind of out of touch with modern times. Okay, and uh, he's an older Jewish guy in the show, and and the younger African American guy comes and starts working at the shop, and uh, starts kind of modernizing a place, modernizing the guy. And so it's kind of an older generation meets a younger generation. And then there's a cast of characters who hang out. So it's yeah. kind of like Cheers in a Donut Show. Oh, all right. And you were one of the cast of characters. I was one of the cast of characters. I played an Iraqi immigrant who was uh, a businessman in, in, in Chicago who owned a bunch of buildings in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And in the first episode, we established that I wanna, I'm want i trying to buy this donut shop okay. because I say, look, it's it, you know, let me buy it so I can turn it into like a Starbucks or something. <laughs> and so throughout the whole show, yeah. I've got this kind of – double uh, um, relationship where on the one hand I'm one of the friends of the place I show up but on the other hand I'm also trying to buy the place yeah so I kind of had the the like the Louis de Palma the Danny DeVito role in in taxi, in taxi yes. or the Rhea Perlman role in cheers I got to say a lot of inappropriate stuff and get away with it and it was it was fun to do it was a lot of fun to do it had Judd Hirsch so that that's what I want to talk about Judd Hirsch you, you mentioned taxi yeah um, who played Rieger Alex Rieger on yeah. taxi one of the greatest sitcoms in my in my Absolutely. estimation of all time. Yeah. What was Judd Hirsch like as as a guy as an actor? Judd is just like this this older super great guy that like I mean we, we listen we had Judd we had Katie Segal David Koechner Katie Segal from from Bundy Married Show. with Children yes. yeah so all these guys like they you've seen them and then you meet them and Judd is just you know he's got the stories from back in the day and and you realize this guy's been doing this for he's 80 something years old oh my god he's been doing this for like 50 60 years and he's got yeah. these great stories of like he was he was a star he he talked he was telling us about how you know taxi if you watch taxi the opening credits it says Judd Hirsch in taxi yeah so i mean just like crazy stuff about like he told us when uh, Andy Kaufman was working on uh, the show and how Andy Kaufman had put it in his contract that they have to hire his alter ego, yeah. the uh, Tony Clifton character, that's right, that's right. who is just a jerk. So he said Tony Andy Kaufman came on as Tony Clifton, and he goes, he wouldn't rehearse. He would just sit there in the corner reading the paper. <laughs> and uh, and then he said that it was said in, the, in Andy Kaufman's contract that if they t- fired Tony Clifton, that Andy was going to walk. Wow. So he goes, so, so Judd Hirsch goes to the producers and goes, hey, man, he's not rehearsing. We need to rehearse. Tell him to get up. And then the producer goes, Judd, there's nothing I can do. And he goes, you know what? 
There's nothing you can do. There's something I can do. Yeah. Judd Hurst goes over to Tony Clifton, grabs him by the collar, picks him up, walks him to the exit of the stage, and goes, "Get the hell out of here!" Throws him out of the thing. That's and he said he came back, you know, as you know, like you know, tail between his. So you know. Judd Hirsch is a nice guy. He's a super nice guy. That makes guy. me feel good because if you said he was a, a jerk, I would have been very upset. Amazing human being. I mean, it was it was and one of the things that's. I mean, look, any TV show you do, there's pros and cons, sure. right? I'll be honest with you, like artistically, because the part I had was like come in, deliver a couple lines, move on. Yeah. Artistically, it was okay, um, but working with the people I was working sure. with, uh, and it was a consistent job. Like that, that was the best part of it. The people were great. Jermaine Fowler, who's this young African American stand-up comedian, he was the other star of sure. the show. They, everyone was just so nice. I'm sad. This I got Can I watch it? Is it available anywhere? I'm guessing on CBS All Access, like CBS.com or whatever right. that is. I'm sure they've. We did two seasons. You know, that's that's a good run. Yeah. Well, all right, I'll check it out. That's good stuff. Check Netflix it out. special, uh, the immigrant. Yeah, immigrant. So good. Thanks, so man. Good. Thanks. I only got Netflix like six months ago. Are you kidding me? So I just binge watched House of Cards. And- Amazing. Wow. Kevin Spacey. Why did you ruin such a good thing? <laughs> but they're bringing it back. They're bringing it back, and she's she's a killer too. Yes. She's amazing. Do what's so funny? So I've been just to show you how much entertainment can impact you. Like I be, I literally binge watched that thing in a week and a half, five seasons. I knocked it all out. Yeah. And now my mind is thinking like a politician. Yes. It's which is not a good thing. No. And I'm like, oh, I've got dirt on this guy. Uh, yeah. It's been, and it's like, oh, what am I talking? Well, about? the Frank Underwood character is so uh, duplicitous, you know. But then, but then it was amazing how we went into this crazy. Trump era, and you go. It really became a point where you go. It's the the reality is crazier than the, <laughs> the fiction, fiction yeah. especially as you started to see all the people like leaving the administration. And I mean, just 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 Melania's jacket yesterday. It's like, what are you saying? Whoever's the showrunner for the Trump administration deserves <laughs> exactly, a lot of Emmys. Exactly, man. Uh, Punchline this weekend shows just one show available on Saturday. Tickets online at punchline.com. Uh, website, social media, where can we learn? And Everything stalk is Maz Jobrani. So it's uh, at Maz Jobrani. So M A Z J O B, like boy, R A N I. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, website, all that stuff. Follow me. I tweet a lot, I retweet a lot. I follow a lot of people that I think are saying some important stuff, but yeah. I was saying last night, I was like, God, it's just like at the end of the night when you read this stuff, you just get depressed. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Get a smile on your face. Uh, see the jabroni this weekend. <laughs> there you go. At, uh, you the jabroni. <laughs> Always a pleasure, my friend. Hey, you're the best. Joining us now on the Mark Aram Show. Uh, together, they are the Bacon Brothers, and they'll be performing in Atlanta at the City Winery on July 23rd. Why, welcome to uh, Kevin and Michael Bacon. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, a lot of a lot of hype for the uh, show coming up at the City Winery. Uh, for folks that aren't familiar with your music, uh, first of all, shame on them. But uh, B, what can they expect at the City Winery on July twenty third? It's Michael speaking. It's a six piece band, uh, and Kevin and I share lead vocals. Uh, we it's almost all original music, so it's um, you know we try to put the songs across as best we can for people who have probably never heard them before. Um, you know, it goes all over the map, and we try to, you know, have fun and entertain the audience the best that we can. How long have you two guys been making music together? We uh, put the band together in 1995, but, I mean, uh, being brothers and all, we grew up in the same house, and <laughs> we, uh, we, we, you know, would, uh, my brother was um, already playing in bands when I was a little boy, and, uh so every, every once in a while, he would, you know, show me some guitar chords or encourage me to uh, write songs. Or uh, and eventually, I started playing percussion in a band with him. 
but um, the Bacon Brothers itself was 1995. Did, did uh, your your folks really in you know encourage music in the house? Was it a musical household growing up? Well, it really was. They our parents were not musicians, but they loved music. We had a beautiful sound system and. Uh, their idea of raising children was to encourage creativity of any kind. So it was all that acting lessons, dance lessons, art lessons, music lessons, uh, the sports and, and getting good grades in school and figuring out how you're ever going to make a living was not really high on their <laughs> list. It was much more, you know, do something creative. See, I'm jealous of that because growing up, the, I mean, there was no music on my household. There was the, you had Neil Diamond and Barbra Streisand. That was the only music ever played in my house. So, so when I got to college, this whole new world of music opened up for me. So I'm very jealous that your, your uh, parents opened that world up to you early on. But if you had Neil Diamond or Barbara Streisand, I bet you're really good at karaoke. <laughs> I'm decent. I'm decent. But uh, <laughs> I can tell you the entire Neil Diamond catalog, uh, a.k.a. Jewish Elvis, <laughs> as he's known on my show. But it's weird because, you know, I didn't even discover, I mean, growing up in the, in the 80s and 90s, I didn't even discover rock music until, you know, 1991. And I was like, well, I missed all of this music growing up. Wow. But now I get to hear the Bacon Brothers at the Sitting Watery, so it, so it's it's going to be all worth it. You can open my uh, my eyes some more. So uh, stylistically, guys, what, um, what, blues? Are we? What what kind of music are you putting on? Well, you know, we really let we let this kind of song we let the song sort of tell us what the what the style of the music is. It, I, in some ways, we wish we had a definite style, but I would say that the very first record that we put out when we came up, tried to come up with an answer to that question, we said, well, it's kind of folk rock soul country. And uh, so we decided to call it Foro Soco. So we're the only, we're the only people in that category, but <laughs> that's what it is. Folk rock soul country. And, and who, who writes the music? Who writes the lyrics? Is it a, a collaborative effort? Well, a lot of people think that, since I'm a, always been a musician, that I write all the music and Kevin writes the lyrics, but it's really not that. When we first started out, you know, when Kevin was a really a little tiny guy, he would just sing me these melodies and lyrics, and I would help him, you know, put the chords behind them, organize it into, you know, a, you know, verse and chorus and bridge. And um, as he learned, you know, more skills musically, he didn't really need me to do that anymore. So um, we don't really do much collaborating in terms of the writing, but the collaboration comes more in the arrangement and how we're going to put the song off. Talking to Michael and Kevin Bacon, the Bacon Brothers. They'll be at the City Winery here in Atlanta on July 23rd. Uh, musically, the, the business has changed, right? So, I mean, in 2018, it, it's different than in 1988. 1988, you'd put out albums and you'd watch album sales. No one's buying albums really anymore. It's all kind of digitally. How, do, how does that impact what you guys are doing and how people find your music? Well, you know, I mean, I think it, 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 the, the industry has definitely has changed. Um, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of different ways that people are experiencing it and, and, and you know, hopefully purchasing it or just sharing it. Um, you know, in some ways it, it, it gives you more opportunities for putting stuff out there. Uh, you know, for instance, if you don't have a record deal. Um, on the other hand, it also makes for a whole, you know, it, it's almost, it's almost kind of overwhelming trying to find something that you, you know, that you want to, um, listen to. But in terms of the music itself, it doesn't really affect us. You know, we, we do, do pretty much the same thing that we've been doing all these years. You know, we, we write the songs, we play them for each other. 
for our families. We we think about arrangements, and then eventually we start playing them in front of people. And if if, if it feels like they're working in front of people, we go in the studio and record them. And that, that's that's sort of that piece of it doesn't really change. Now, with Michael's composing career and Kevin, obviously, your acting career, uh, is it tough scheduling-wise to get together and make the music, practice the music, and, and fine-tune it? Well, it's, as far as practicing, when you have guys of the quality that we have, four or four backup guys, they don't need a lot of practicing. I mean, we've learned songs that sound check and play them that night flawlessly. So, um, The practicing isn't that big a deal, but the, the scheduling is really tough because uh, Kevin's schedule is, you know, it's, completely unknown what you know, whether Kevin's going to get a film and, and be you know somewhere making the film so um, it's in all the years we've been doing this but uh, which people tell me is 25 we've never missed a gig and somehow it's all worked out wow. um, but it's pretty chaotic and, and it's kind of um, you know it's really having you know these these eye calendars make it so much easier just to communicate what's going on and where we're going to be so uh, it really somehow works out. The Bacon Brothers will be in town at City Winery on July 23rd. Kevin, uh, I was, I've been looking at your IMDB page uh, before this, doing some prep work, and I don't even know where to begin with your career. I just want to ask you this one question. Of all of your mm-hmm. roles, acting-wise, all of them, what has been your favorite role? What one do you look back and go on, I nailed that, that was perfect, I really I really crushed that. What was your favorite role so far? Gosh, you know, I... I, I I always, every time that I get, I get that question, I think to myself, I've got to come up with a good answer for it because I just, you know, I'm, I'm such a, I'm, 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 a, I'm a guy that doesn't spend a lot of time in the rearview mirror, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I, in my mind, I'm hoping that my, my, my best work or the, or my best role, my favorite, you know, gig is like somehow in front of me down the road. I've had so many opportunities to do so many, um, cool, fun parts and work with great people, but there's nothing that really um, uh, pops up as a, as a favorite. And the other thing about it is, is that, you know, sometimes you have fun and it makes a terrible movie, and sometimes you have a terrible time and it makes a great movie, and sometimes you're at a really good part and point in your life and you're very, very happy, and, and it doesn't really, um, you know, the movie doesn't translate into being something cool, and sometimes, you, you know, the memory of that film is, is less about the work and more about where you're at, uh, you know, personally. Wrong answer. So it's hard for me to make the, that. Wrong answer. The correct answer is Mystic River. You're supposed to say Mystic, Mystic River. River. I, 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 thank you. I, I, I wasted all that time when, when we already knew the answer. That was it. Michael, I'll ask you the same question. Obviously, you know, you've got to be a big fan of your brother's acting work. What do you think is his best role? Uh, Mystic River, definitely. There you go. See, he, Michael knew the answer. Yeah, Mystic River. <laughs> oh. So we're agreed. There you okay, go. Good. It's settled. Um, listen, Michael, Kevin, great to talk to you. We'll see you uh, July 23rd at the Cine Winery. I look forward to the Bacon Brothers. If you need help, I can play the spoons. So if you want to call me up on stage, if you need a spoon player, I can jump on board. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. All right. Thank you, guys. Okay, thanks, thanks a lot. lot. All right, thanks to Maz Jabrani and Kevin Bacon. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. Welcome back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. Hope you have a great weekend planned ahead of you. I'm going to be inside staying cool in uh, some air conditioning because it is too dang hot already. Don't forget, next week, big, big slate of shows, including hopefully us broadcasting live on Tuesday from the King Center. 
honoring their 50th anniversary. That should be very, very cool. And then, of course, a full slate of stuff next week on the show. We'll do Millennial Match Game, this or that, Johnny Kilboss with a fast food review, and, of course, little Sanjay with Would You Rather. Uh, if you want to connect over the weekend with me, I'll be active on social media, as is my want, on Twitter and Instagram, at Mark Aram, Facebook, Mark Aram WSB, and uh, that's it. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Mark Aram on Twitter and Instagram. Mark Aram WSB on Facebook. I'm too tired. News, weather, and traffic next. This is The Mark Aram Show. Go to sleep, you little baby. Go to sleep, you little baby. Guests of The Mark Aram Show stay at the all-sweet Omni Hotel, located in the heart of Chicago's Magnificent Mile. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.